The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. Tonight, week five, we'll have small groups at the last uh, 25 minutes or so. And a little bit later, Gabe Keller Flores, our office manager who's online tonight, he'll put in the link for the Zoom. And when we're doing the online Buddhist studies, the small group work that we do every other week will be optional. So people can just join in um, and I'll cue everyone um, when we get closer around 8.35 for the small group work. And maybe I'll do some announcements now just because uh, with the small group work we won't all end at the same time. So uh, hopefully most of you saw the email that was sent out this afternoon. And that has some information about Slack, this online place to keep the conversation, Dharma conversations alive. So feel, feel free to check that out. And some of the discussion that comes up in the small groups can continue in that format. There are different channels, including one for the Buddhist Studies um, group. Uh, next week, we'll be talking more about intimacy. So for homework this week, you might really notice these more spontaneous moments with another person, group of people, four-legged pet, whatever it might be, but like not so much what's there in moments of intimacy when there's not a lot, doesn't seem a lot of distance between you and the other, but notice maybe what's not there and really get a sense of how simple and maybe then eventually how, how available these ordinary moments of intimacy are. And remember, that can be just with yourself. You could be walking around the block and it might just arise. That absence of separation. Or it might be in a big group. And it may be when you're talking, it may be when you're quiet. But just see if you can intend to notice and it, it, don't worry about it being a perfect moment of intimacy right it's just we know what moments of alienation and feeling in our own kind of dramas and apart because of that we know what that's like so how about moments when there's less of that sense of separation and we'll talk about that next week and a couple other announcements. So it might be nice for somebody in the Buddhist studies to volunteer to write up a short, maybe two paragraph statement about dana, generosity, and how to support um, common ground, of course, but just generally that circle of giving and receiving. And we'll talk about it anyway, just in terms of what does freedom look like in meditation. Uh, in relationships as a circle of giving and receiving freely. But if someone wants to talk about it in terms of the class and common ground, that would be nice just to have that sharing and we can send it, I'll send it out with next week's email. So you could just send it to me if you'd like to jot down your own reflections about this uh, free giving and free receiving that we practice at the center. And then finally, just mentioning that tomorrow at 12 noon, 
uh, Winfricky and I will have a practice check-in from 12 noon until 1 p.m. That will be Zoom. You can find it on the Common Ground Public Calendar, the link for the Zoom meeting. Uh, Win or I will give a guided meditation, and then we'll just be having a check-in, answering some questions, and having people share some of their Dharma reflections, how they're practicing at this time. So join in for that if you'd like. Shelley will be leading her weekly practice group on Wednesday evening, 7.30 to 9. That also that will be a YouTube live stream like we're doing tonight. Good, and of course many other programs coming up. So to begin tonight, um, I just wanted to address a couple questions, or one question that came in in particular, um, where someone was just talking about some deeper blocks that were coming up. Um, and noticing these, this particular pattern of leaving. And part of the uh, um, agenda or content for tonight's class is really seeing uh, predictable patterns in how we relate to others. And I mentioned, and hopefully some of you read the articles that were linked to last week and this week, one by a short one by Sharon Salzberg, on this uh, simple map, personality map that arose in the Buddhist tradition of being either a greedy type, an aversive type, or a deluded type. And we're just talking about our general condition patterns. And of course, who we are, like what particular pattern exists in us may be different in certain relationships. We may be a greedy type and other relationships we might be an aversive type or deluded type. And it's sort of the basic groove or way that our self-centeredness gets channeled in particular settings, where because we're relating from a self, self-centered self point of view, then when I'm in this particular setting, that self-centeredness gets a groove, that follows a groove and gets expressed or manifests as being greedy seen through that greedy frame or seen through that critical, aversive frame, fearful frame, or seen through that confused, deluded frame. What's going on? Right, And it's just good, and it's even a little bit fun to, to think about it this way. So this person is just talking about their particular groove, um, which is the habit of checking out or leaving, and then noticing that pattern, right, so that someone's doing their work, we, we start to notice these patterns. Oh, I see when the going gets tough, I check out. I leave, whether actually physically leaving or just like distance myself. And that's a very common pattern for a lot of us. And then recognizing it, the person really then resolved to be, to kind of engage in a compassionate and kind way. But then they noticed that underneath they were holding resentment and then uh, that at moments behaving unskillfully, somehow feeling that they had the right to be angry. And so the person just asked about that pattern. And I think the idea is, um, you know, when we see the pattern of leaving, we often, or whatever the pattern is, let's just say being a greedy type, or being an aversive type, being a deluded type, let's just use that map. When we start to recognize oh, there's that pattern again, the habit for a lot of us will be to want to fix it, like to be done with it, because 
rightfully we notice it's not helping, right? And it might cause harm for others too. So it's not helping me, it's not helping the other. So I want to stop being an angry type or I want to stop being a greedy type or deluded type. But we tend to want to rush for the fix before we fully meet the pattern and learn how to be intimate with it, learn how to soften and be curious and really see it for what it is. What is it? Well, it's a force of nature. These patterns, these very seemingly personal patterns in our personality arising out of our genetic and cultural conditioning, our families of origin, right? These deep personality patterns, when seen from this balanced, intimate point of view, are seen for what they are. Oh yeah, this is how it is sometimes. This person acts this way, sees things, frames things this way, reacts in this way, gets hot and bothered in this way, closes down in this way, gets confused in this way. And uh, the more that we really meet the pattern, get to know the pattern, learn not to be afraid of being a limited and imperfect personality. It's like then we learn how to, um, it's kind of this alchemy where <clears throat> the willingness to be close allows for a change, a transformation of the greedy type or the fearful type, aversive type or the deluded type. And something beautiful can come out of that. And that's the work that we need to do. And it really, because otherwise we end up just making things worse, where we use our personality type, you know, like the greediness, to take care of our greediness. <laughs> well, it doesn't work. Or we use our anger, being critical of ourselves, hating our angry type, our tendency to be angry, and we want to control it, and we're afraid that we haven't controlled it. And we just deepen the tendency of the mind. And of course, these these grooves of being greedy in situations or being fearful, aversive in situations or being deluded and disconnected in situations, they were strategies that in an impersonal way got laid down because the system, the mind-body system, is just trying to take care of itself, just doing its best, trying to survive socially, physically, in this uncertain realm we call being a human being. We're doing our best, these grooves to be greedy, to be deluded, to be aversive, these grooves started very early and then once they start we tend to go back and repeat. Even when it's not working very well, it's at least what the mind, the heart knows, so we tend to keep repeating these patterns over and over again. This person asked another question um, just about wanting to, at this time especially, and, and sensing the exposure of, of some dear ones, some family members in this person's life, um, initiated contact and realized that this sibling was not interested in connecting and reconciling. 
and just ask for suggestions about this. And I think this is an important point, uh, just generally in the work that we've been doing in this course. You know, as we develop some real wisdom about our own patterns of how we relate to others, and of course, we're going to also be learning a lot about how other people relate to us. And that tendency to want to fix things will come up. But sometimes the conditions aren't right for reconciliation. And so the interesting question is, can, the, can we continue in the awakening and healing process of becoming a wiser and kinder human being, even when the person we're in a not-so-healthy relationship with is not interested in the reconciliation, in the healing work. And I, I'd like to say, you know, yes. We don't, we want to, at least I think it's skillful to hold that nothing ultimately can get in the way of us doing our work, our healing work, our liberating, awakening work even when the people we're in relationship are, you know, stuck in the mud or are in so much pain, they can't imagine, they can't find a way to meet us in this work. And so that's uh, one of the things that I have found like a very powerful edge is how to be intimate, how to be soft and alert and curious when I'm meeting somebody, I'm in relationship with somebody that for me appears to be really stuck in some fixed view. And a lot of times there's this uh, like unconscious fear we sense in the person who let's just say is stuck and uh, caught in a lot of pain. And because of their response to that pain to close down or to take up a fixed stance, they're sort of stuck. They keep repeating or um, and don't really see what's happening. And we sense in them what we're afraid of in our own self. So we haven't learned that, you know what, sometimes there's real suffering. Sometimes people are caught. So how can I relate to that? Not how can I relate to them when they see what they need to see and heal and become a wiser and kinder human being, but how can I, what would a skillful way of relating to ignorance be? Or what's a skillful relate, way of relating to anger or to greed? Whatever pattern we're meeting in the other person. We want to be free and alive, nimble, creative, um, not fixed, not frozen, even when we're in relationship with really unhealthy, unwholesome patterns that are arising in other people, right? And so we don't want to, of course, we, we have this compassionate wish that people find a way to do their own work and heal and become wiser, kinder human beings. That's a beautiful wish to have for everyone. But part of that wish is knowing that that wish for their well-being 
is just one relatively small supporting cause. And there are many other causes and conditions that will determine whether in that, at that time someone is going to be able to do their healing. And we have to get comfortable that we live in a world where some people aren't going to be able, aren't going to have the supporting conditions to do their work. And it should break our hearts wide open. It is really um, heartbreaking to see people stuck in any whatever patterns they might be stuck in. And the same way that it moves our heart when we catch, when we sense our own stuckness and ignorance. But what we can do is model doing the work. And one of the ways is we start to get familiar with our own patterns. I had a meeting earlier in the day with uh, Gabe and Shelley, two of the other staff people at Common Ground. And uh, Shelley was mentioning um, in just a sharing just uh, how this time, you know, when things are, there's a lot of anxiety and uncertainty, it tends to bring our trauma strategies to the surface. You know, we've all been wounded in so many different ways in our lives and a lot of that woundedness we may not even have a clue of. And and who knows, it might even be, some of it might be from past lives. We don't know. But we know at times, you know, we see a pervasive quality of fear. Or we might sense a pervasive quality of numbness being closed down. Or we might just see a pervasive irritation. And these patterns are just like, totally addicted to sense pleasures, just like hungry ghosts wanting one nice thing, one good thing, one tasty thing after another. And we'll see the pattern and we'll see that the, you know, the conditions, the circumstances that we're in the middle of, they don't really seem to be triggering like the cause for that pattern to arise. And this is the time to... Uh, really rally our practice, like, oh, honey, I really want to meet this. I really want to, in a sense, peel back the layers or learn how to meet my life. Learn how to feel into this force of nature, this pattern that's showing its face here, that is on the surface to be seen. Because although it, it's a difficult time, you know, because it's often when things are intense that we see some of these patterns showing their faces. Or when things shift. Like one thing that came to mind as I was thinking about this, in my mid-twenties and early thirties, from age 25 to 33, I didn't, I was really heavily into my spiritual practice, and living at spiritual centers, and and uh, I was, you know, I think it was last week and maybe the week before, we talked about spiritual bypass. Well, I had this very brilliant conclusion that relationships were confusing and difficult and distracting, right? And best to just avoid them. And actually, I think there was probably some value in it. So for those eight years, I didn't go on a date, I didn't have any relationships with other people, 
Um, so that's, you know, for your 20s and early 30s, that's, that was a sort of an intense thing, and <laughs> it did change. It became unworkable after a while, and uh, fortunately, I had good fortune and found a, a wonderful partner. And um, But the the interesting thing, the reason I bring this this period up, at the end of that eight years when I got to know Wynn, and we uh, became sort of a romantic and involved sexually as a couple, um, it was just so interesting to, like because of that committed relationship, and especially because for so long I wasn't, I didn't have any practice, you know, you can really imagine that because of the absence of the committed relationship and all that an intimate sexual relationships can bring forward. You know, you can imagine that somehow you're somewhere that you're not, <laughs> like free in a way that maybe not free, or the freedom is real, but it's dependent on the simplicity of your life situation, which turned out not to be tenable, right? Couldn't work. So there we are, there I am in a relationship, and all of a sudden the kind of habit energy, conditioning that started to show up was pretty humiliating to see those like confusion and anger and greed and lust and all that, that sort of, those patterns. So, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that it isn't useful to step out of social relationships for a while, intimate relationships for a while, or even difficult relationships with siblings and parents, just to take a break, take a vacation, not engage, not talk to. That can be a really useful uh, relationship move to just take a break. But ultimately, we want to be able to... Um, not always, but often we want to be able to re-engage. Definitely in general we want to re-engage with the world because removing ourselves from social relationships is just a strategy to help us see what we're not seeing and maybe to heal. So that when coming back into relationship, the mind, the heart's a little wiser and understands love and uh, in a deeper way. So for the small groups tonight, um, you know, based on this simple Buddhist map, I mean, there are many things you can talk about. You could talk about how you've noticed a spiritual bypass in your own life, how just like removing yourself from the complexity of relationship felt like a brilliant move until you realized that being conditioned to be a social being and not having relationship doesn't really work. So you could talk about spiritual bypass, but it might be interesting for people to look at these three personality types because, as you probably know, greed, anger, and delusion are considered the three unwholesome roots in the same way that understanding the reality of non-greediness and non-aversiveness and non-deludedness or these wholesome roots. 
And to really think about these, like I mentioned in the guided meditation, that the tendency to be greedy and aversive and distracted and in denial, deluded, they're really the active form of self-view, self-centeredness. So, you know, what is self-centeredness? Actively, self-centeredness is a mind being greedy. The, if only this, then I'll be happy, then I'll be satisfied, then things will be great. Or, if only I get rid of, if only I get rid of what I'm afraid of, if only I get my revenge and show this person, control this person, prove myself to this person, then I'll be happy. Or the deluded type, if only I understand what I'm supposed to be doing, who I should be following, what end is up, what end is down, then, if I just had some clarity, then I'd be safe, then I'd be happy. So this all arises, these tendencies just arise from self-view. And so we want to, and it, it's kind of like that is our lineage, being born with our genetic programming, being born with our cultural conditioning, the lineage of being a human being are these three personality types, greediness, fear and aversion, right? Fear is part of aversion, so it's not just anger and being critical and being impatient, but it's also being afraid and anxious is an aversive tendency and the deluded type. And if you didn't read uh, Sharon's book, I'll just mention, maybe I'll read just a little bit from it. And she starts with a really funny story. It's really great to hear these stories, especially about deluded types. You know, and especially for a, a brilliant Dharma teacher to kind of confess and own up and, you know, tell funny stories about being a deluded type. It's really normalizing these three types. You know, I tend, not in every situation, but sort of, my predominant type would probably be uh, being a controlling type, aversive type. Um, but uh, I remember one, not Sharon, but another uh, well-known Dharma teacher tells a story of flying from uh, overseas to uh, Barrie uh, in Massachusetts, that where IMS is, Insight Meditation Society is, and stopping in the airport in LA with a layover and buying a pair of sandals thinking they were a particular color, you know, let's just say green, and, you know, just had in their mind that, yeah, I bought a pair of green sandals, and a couple of weeks later realizing they're not green, they're blue or some other color. And uh, this person also was confessing just being uh, a deluded type. So Sharon's example is just walking from where she was staying, which is a townhouse about 100 yards away from the main retreat center, IMS, and noticing as she walked that her car wasn't there and uh, thought that was a little strange. My car's not there. Maybe somebody took it to put gas in, she thought, right? And then asking around at the center and uh, people said, no, I didn't take it. And then uh, somebody asked her, are you sure it wasn't there? <laughs> Even though a car is kind of a big thing. But it was being a deluded type, Sharon noticed that her mind all of a sudden was confused, like, maybe it was there, maybe I just didn't see it, right? So just that tendency, like just for those of you or those situations where we are the deluded type, like just 
noticing like when how susceptible we are to people's comments. And they say, well, you sure you didn't see it? And then we doubt ourselves and think maybe they're right. Maybe it was there all along. And then somebody later said, oh, maybe you just bar you lent it to someone to go do something. And then again, just being a deluded type, being in that kind of framework, we tend to immediately think, oh, they probably know. I probably did that. I probably lent it to somebody and I just forgot. And of course, none of that happened. Someone lent Sharon's car, not Sharon, but somebody else lent, told someone that they could use Sharon's car. But this is just her example of that. And uh, and then the part I want to read here is just Sharon describing, like, even when you're hearing about a Buddhist personality map, even now as you're hearing this, especially those of you who are hearing this for the first time, you might be having a reaction to just me sharing some of the stuff about the Buddhist personality map. So Sharon writes here, for example, if you're a greedy type and someone tells you about a Buddhist system of personality types, you may carefully take in this information, thinking to yourself that this is a startlingly wonderful character typography and that you're going to learn all you can about it. If you're an angry type, you might say to yourself, how can everybody fit into three simple categories? I hate this kind of thing. It makes me feel reduced to somebody else's idea of who I am. And if you're a deluded type, you might feel a bit dazed by all this wondering. Which one am I? I don't seem to fit. <laughs> or something like that. Now the thing to remember about any of these maps that we use, they're, they are there for a very particular reason. To help us see and be more real, more intimate with the nature of our mind, the nature of our relationships, so that we can get closer. Because there are very particular patterns of how a, an aversive type relates to a deluded type. Generally speaking, there are certain patterns that we can get familiar with. And the more we see that as nature and not self, the more we can be forgiving and the more we can be skillful for ourselves and for the other. Same thing, you know, there's a particular way that a greedy type might relate to an aversive type or a deluded type. And this is something you can bring up in your small groups tonight for those of you who are going to uh, stick around and, and join in on the Zoom small groups in a few minutes. You know, you might talk about an important relationship that you have and you might just, without coming to any fixed conclusion, just remember a time when you felt like you were the deluded type or you were the aversive type meeting your friend who is the greedy type. And then what was the particular dance in how you were relating to, to each other and how the map of knowing that you were, and at that time, really using the deluded frame, meeting someone you presume was living out of the greedy frame or whatever it might have been, like what was that particular way of relating, skillful and unskillful, and how knowing what you now know, like seeing, using these frames, seeing it more clearly, how much e how it's so much easier to be forgiving and understanding and maybe skillful in terms of getting where the person's at, getting their needs, understanding your own needs, being able to communicate better, maybe not, I mean, that situation has passed, but maybe the next time 
you're with this person and your deluded tendency and their greedy tendency get triggered. So you might, in your small group, choose an important relationship, important, interesting time you were relating to another person and a particular personality pattern. And don't worry if it doesn't fit these three basic types of being greedy, being aversive, being deluded. But where you had some sense of a particular cohesive pattern getting triggered, there it was. Like for me, one you know, more specific frame that I fall into is being defensive and fearful in that kind of defensive way, self-protecting way. And then, uh, and I noticed, like, like I've learned over the years, what triggers that. Like when I imagine that somebody mistrusts me, then I get defensive. Because I don't like the thought, the internal thought, right? It's something in my own mind of somebody thinking I'm not a good person. Or I'm, you know, yeah, just like I imagine people think I'm not acting for in a good way. Like that, that, that sort of triggers this defensive and uh, aversive, like I got to fix this. You know, I absolutely need you to think I'm a good person. And I, it's a big problem if, if you're not a, thinking that way. And we got to fix this. So that's what I would uh, suggest for the small groups, talking about some particular pattern and how you're getting clearer about these, you know, top five, top three, whatever patterns that you notice getting triggered in different relationships and different moments, and maybe bringing in like who the other person is, how you see the other person, and how knowing that allows you to be more skillful. And of course, anything else you want to talk about, moments of intimacy, which we'll be picking up next week, or spiritual bypassing that we talked about in the previous weeks. So for those of you who are going to stick around and do the um, Zoom, I think Gabe has put the link. I see it up there. Um, he put the link for Slack for the discussions. And Gabe, if you would go ahead and put the link for the Zoom groups. And again, this is an optional thing. There it is. So I'll say goodbye. Wish everyone a good week. And uh, people who are going to do the small groups, you can click on the Zoom link now and have a wonderful, insightful conversation together. Take care, everyone. Have a good week. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website www.commongroundmeditation.org